last Sunday was really, really great. Just watching uh, the baptisms and being a part of it, it was, it was just really, really cool. Hearing the stories, hearing the, uh, the testimonies. And we had, we had one gal, she said, you know, it's hard for me to write my story. I don't know how to write it because, you know, my life just doesn't feel all that much, you know, all that better right now. Uh, she had, she had, we had given them kind of an outline, say, you know, what did your life look like before Christ? And, you know, it's probably some messy details. And then how did you find Jesus? And how did you know? And, and how did you decide to follow him? And then after, what does your life look like now? And she's like, well, I can't follow that. You know, because right now, my life doesn't feel all that much better than back then. And so I was like, man, you know, that it's true that for many of us, even, and maybe you're the same way as a follower of Jesus Christ, have you ever had a dark day since then? Have you ever had a day where you're like, man, this day's like the pits, you know? I just feel, this is just awful. It just, I don't feel like, like anything was genuine or real. Uh, I think a lot of us can find ourselves in, in, a, in a pit, uh, you know, at certain times in, in our lives. And, and I want to talk to you about, a little bit about that this week and probably next week as well, because, you know, we may not get through it all this morning. But pits can look different for every single person. Maybe the pit that you're in is a difficult marriage. And you're like, oh man, you know, how, how did I end up in this place? You know, or maybe you're single and you're not wanting to be single anymore. You're like, I'm 37, I want to be married. And you feel like it's been forever that you feel like in a pit. Maybe it's financial crisis for you. Maybe your children are making poor decisions and it's driving you nuts. Maybe you're going through a physical illness. Maybe you have something that doctors say is terminal. Maybe you have something they say they don't have any hope for and you feel just this heaviness and you're, you feel like you're in a pit. And maybe for some of you, it, it's just that you feel distant from God. It's like, I just don't feel like God's speaking to me anymore. And you know, it compounds when you're in one of those other pits and you feel like God's distant and not speaking to you anymore. And I want to speak to that this morning. Because in the journey that we go in through life, on the road that we walk, there are going to be pits along the way. We can't always avoid them. But we got to realize that there's, when, we, when we're in them, there's something that we can do while we're in those pits that can uh, affect us uh, for, for when we either get out of those pits or how we do the journey through them. Uh, there was a, a quote that I read a father had said to his frustrated and impatient daughter. He says, my dear, if you would only recognize that life is hard, things would be so much easier for you. And it's true. A lot of times we think, oh, we just want life to be easy. And as all of us can relate, it just isn't. Uh, there's times in our life where it's just not easy. Uh, and there's different ways you end up in a pit. Maybe you find yourself in one of those pits today and you're like, you know, there, there could be multiple reasons why you're there. One reason could be that you put yourself there. You know, the Bible talks about in Proverbs uh, in 26, 27, it talks about a fool who digs a hole and then falls in it himself. He digs a hole to trap somebody and then he ends up in there. It's, it's the decisions we make. You know, maybe you're the one who chose to marry that, you know, knucklehead. And now you're like in the spire, like, oh, how did I get here? God, what are you doing to me? And God's not doing it to you. you, you there's decisions that you made that bring you to that place where you feel like, well, now, now I'm in this pit. Um, you know, maybe someone else threw you in. You know, we know the story of Joseph. And you see where his brothers, just out of greed and out of a hatred for him, threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. It wasn't something he had done, but others had done it to him. Maybe there's others who criticize you. Maybe there's others who are always on your case. Maybe there's others who have who are helped speaking these things, and they've, they've, you've found yourself in this place. Maybe, maybe you're, you're married to somebody who's made decisions, or, or maybe your kids are making decisions, and out of that you find yourself in this place uh, of just you know, feeling like you're in the quagmire of just uh, hopelessness. And you feel like you're, you're in a pit. And the last thought is that maybe it was neither of those. Maybe it's just something you just slipped into. You know, the, the Bible talks in Psalms about King David, how he says, you know, I was looking at everybody who wasn't a follower of Christ. And he says, as I looked at them, I thought their lives seem better than mine. 
How many times has that not happened that we look at it and go, God, I didn't realize it was going to be so hard to follow you, uh, so hard to be a Christian. I look at other people and I think they got it to get, like their lives don't seem as hard as mine. Their lives seem more fun than mine. And he says that as I looked at that, he says, I almost slipped. He says, I almost fell into that and realized I was going to join them. He says, until I went to the house of God and I saw him and I saw the end. And I looked down the road and I saw what it was really all about. He said, I almost slipped in. The fact that you could almost slip in tells me that you probably could slip in. You know, I see that, you know, that, that a lot of times when we start looking at, at uh, what others, you know, lives look like, that it sometimes plays a, plays a role uh, for us and causes us to, to, to slip into something. I want to encourage you, if you're in any one of those places today, you find yourself in a pit for any one of those reasons, that I, that I want to I, I encourage you with some thoughts this morning, because it's not very encouraging to be in one. Um, there's a guy, um, you know, what do you do when you find yourself in a place like that. There's a guy named Juan Pablo Montoya. If you're a NASCAR fan, you probably have, have heard of him. Um, if you're a Target fan like my wife, then uh, there's, your, there's your man right there. Um, he's, um, yeah, just a side note, you know, Target's open now in Ancaster. And, uh, you know, during this, yeah, I know, woo-woo! That's like those shoppers like, oh, yeah. yeah. The other night, anybody know there's a big storm coming and there's warnings, tornado warnings, and my phone is like red lines going across. But my mother-in-law and my wife are like, Target's open, we're going. And so they decide at 7 o'clock, you know, when the storm's coming at 8, to drive to Ancaster, get all the way there and see trees falling down over the road, can't make it to their beloved store and have to turn around and come home. Um, side note. Anyways, um, Juan Pablo, I'm, I'm happy she's alive. Juan, um, Juan Pablo Montoya, it, it, a couple weeks ago, June 23rd, Sonoma Raceway, He's, uh, he's racing through. He's in second place, guaranteed second. There's nobody anywhere near him. And on the very last lap, he runs out of gas. And as he's cruising to the end of the line, he, um, he actually ends up in 34th place because 32 other cars pass him on his way as he's coasting. And here he is walking back from, uh, from the finish line. He has to walk back all the way to his garage because his car isn't going to make it there. And he was ticked. He says this in his interview. He says, when I came through turn 10, I was coming to the white. The fuel pressure just dropped. He said, I could see I was on empty. And he says, I knew I was dead me. You know, for some of you, you feel like you've been in a, in, a, in a pit long enough, in a tough spot long enough that you feel right now you're running on empty. You don't even know why you came here this morning. You're just like, oh, you know, I just feel like nothing. I don't feel alive on the inside. And, and you know what? Montoya blamed this, um, this loss, this 34th place. He blamed it on the last time he was in the pit. And I think there's something so powerful in that. Our journey in life is often determined by how we handled the last time we were in a pit. Let me say that again. Our life is often determined by how we handle the last time we were in a pit. And the last time you were in a pit might be today. Where you go in your journey with life is often what, uh, based on what you do when you find yourself in a pit where you are right now. What do you do when you find yourself in the pit? In NASCAR, you know, the pit's actually a place of renewal and, and uh, um, repair. It's, it's a good place to be, but oftentimes we don't see it as such. You know, and I want to just share a few thoughts with you this, this week and a few next week. But uh, a couple thoughts for you. Maybe just jot some notes down or some thoughts. Number one, realize when you're in a pit that God didn't put you in the pit. Realize that God didn't put you there. Uh, because a lot of times it's difficult for us when we think that God's the one orchestrating all this stuff and our lives are miserable because we're followers of Him. It's not the case. You know, some would say, oh, you're in a pit and God's put you there by His grace so that you would call out to Him, so that you would reach out to Him, so that He could save you. But God's not like, He doesn't have like an inferiority complex where He's like, oh man, I just don't have any purpose. I've got to save somebody today, you know. i got to try and figure out what I'm going to do. It, you know, we would, it causes confusion when you think of that. That might be the outcome, and it probably is the desired outcome, but it's not the purpose. 
It's not the reason. That'd be like us. Picture yourself walking down the road. You're just having a great day. And there's an ambulance driver driving down the road, and he's got nobody in the back. But he's not, up, he's not happy about that. He wants to save somebody. So he sees you walking along the road and decides, I'm going to go hit that person. I'm going to run him over so I can save them and take them to the hospital. You'd be like, this guy's a lunatic. But we would sometimes, you know, believe these thoughts. So oh, it sounds scriptural. It sounds spiritual. That, that's maybe what God's doing in my life. When you find yourself in a pit, realize God didn't put you there. You know, uh, there's a story of Peter in the Bible where Jesus uh, is not with his disciples for a while. And they're out, they're sailing across the, the lake and it gets really, really tumultuous. And many of you know this story. If you went to Sunday school, it's a famous one. Um, all of a sudden, Jesus is walking on the water and Peter sees him and says, Jesus, if, if that's really you, if you're not a ghost, if you're really the son of God, tell me to come and walk on the water and, and I'll do it. And Jesus is like, all right, Peter, then come on, come walk on the water. So Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on the water. Every step is a miracle, because what is he doing? He's walking on the promise, on the word that Jesus spoke to him, said, this is the word, is walk, come walk on the water. And he begins to walk on the water. But says then all of a sudden his eyes get taken off of, of Jesus, and he begins to look at all the, like, the waves, and he's like, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. No, I really can't believe I'm doing this. As he thinks those thoughts, as he realizes that the waves are tall, he begins to sink. Some would think, you know, Jesus called Peter out of the boat so that he would sink. But it's not true. He called J- Peter out of the boat so he would walk on water. He's calling the same thing out for you and says in the promises that he has for you that you would walk on those promises and not, not be sinking, not be in the place. He's not putting you in a place just so he's like, oh, I can be the hero. You know, I, I got Peter. I tricked him out of the boat. Now, of course, he can't walk on water. I'm going to rescue him. I want to encourage you to, 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 to realize that that's not the, the type of God that you serve. But the great news is he rescued Peter. He does rescue. When you find yourself in a pit, you can reach out to him. I would say more so our life is more like this picture here. There's a crossroads, and there's a whole lot of places, a whole lot of directions you can go. And you're standing there going, which way do I go? Which way is going to have the least amount of pits? You know, all of those roads have pits along the way except for one. One road walking with Jesus, as you're walking with him uh, and doing life with God on, on a continuous, minute by minute, second by second basis, you're not going to find yourself in pits. Except the thing is that none of us ever are in that place. So the Bible teaches us, you know, through his words, that we would look for wisdom, that we would g- gain his knowledge on situations, that we would have, you know, his wisdom on relationships so that our relationships aren't full of pits, that we would have, you know, his wisdom and his knowledge in, in how we, you know, conduct our lives so that we don't end up in, in all kinds of those pits. And wisdom and obedience can protect you from them. But the thing is, there's always going to be times in our life where we find ourselves in them. So I want to challenge you, number one, realize God didn't put you in that pit. Number two, realize you're not the only, um, you're not the only one. You're like, oh, thanks, Mark. That's really comforting. You know, I feel like I'm going through hell, and all you can tell me is you're not the only one. Oh, that's great. I got lots of company around me here. We're all going through really rotten, tough times. Uh, the reason I want to share that with you is, you know, in the book of um, 1 Kings 19, there's a story of Elijah. You can maybe jot that down, check it out later. We don't have time to read through the, the, the story today, but, but Elijah he, uh, he just has this absolutely amazing experience with God. He, he's, um, he's challenging, you know, the, the religious leaders of the day. They, uh, all of the evil that's surrounding his country, there's 450 prophets of, of the bad God, and, and there's just him. And it's these guys, they say, let's go up on a mountain, let's just have it once and for all. Let's just prove who's God once and for all. And so they go up on the mountain, and they, they, the, the, the challenge is they both make an altar. They both put an offering on it, and neither one of them gets to light it. 
And, and they said, just whoever's the real God, just light the thing up on fire and we'll know. That'd be like, you know, it, it, for us, it'd be like, when, we'd love to see that today. We would love it if we could be just like, okay, you know, the church next door or our church, you know, uh, if, I shouldn't use that, it's a bad analogy. Um, let's, uh, let's use like the iPhone or the Blackberry. Which one is made, designed by God and which one is, you know, totally worthless? And we would say, you know, we'll put these out here and God, if you would just, you know, nobody will touch it, no electricity, the batteries are dead, but would you just turn one on? And when the iPhone turns on, you'd be like, oh, of course we know, you know, this is the real God. And you'd be like, wow, you know, how did that, how's that possible? There's no app for that. You know, that's, that's God. We'd be like, this is great. Uh, and, and it would be like, wow, lights on, you know, I, I just know who to serve. But that's exactly what happened that day. And then everybody decides, I mean, how easy is it to preach the gospel when that happens? And then everybody decides they're going to follow God because they know he's real, he's alive. And it doesn't matter what they're facing. You think, man, if I happened to me, I think I could live on that for like a year. At least I'd be like on cloud nine for a year. Like, God, you're, you can do anything if you can do that. Well, it says that after that happened, you know, it hadn't rained for three years. And so Elijah starts praying now that it's going to rain. And he prays and he's praying and he sends his servant out to go and check. And the servant's like, no, I don't see any clouds. So he prays again. He sends him back and forth like seven times. And then he goes out and he says, yeah, Elijah, I think I almost see a cloud. It's about the size of a hand. And he's like, run! You know, this is, getting, this is like, the, it'd be like the storm that just came through here. All of a sudden he's like, that little cloud, by the time it gets here, we're in trouble. So not only does he, you know, see God just do an incredible miracle and, and burn up a whole sacrifice without any flames uh, on his part. Then he sees God, you know, uh, change the weather for him, you know, and rain like crazy. Then it gets even crazier. Elijah does up his belt. He uh, puts on his running shoes and he outruns a chariot from there all the way to, to Samaria. Like these horses, he runs fast on them. Miracle after miracle after miracle in his life. And, and it says, you know, they're just absolutely incredible. You think, man, like if that was my life, this, you know, me and God, no problem. But it says later on in the story that, that, that all of a sudden he hears that the, the king's wife wants him dead. And he gets all upset, and he runs off to the wilderness all by himself, and he's sitting in the wilderness by himself in a pity pit. And uh, as he's there, all of a sudden God comes and meets him and says, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, oh God, you don't, you don't get it. I'm like the only one who serves you. You know, no one else is serving you. It's just me. And, and, and now everybody wants me dead. And it's just like, I just, you know, I just, want, I just want to die. He actually says, God, take my life. And you're like, what? Just a couple days ago, you just did like three major, major miracles, and now you want to die. Because it happens so simply and easily that we end up in that place, but God meets him there. And what happens? God shows him incredible strength. God shows him incredible uh, feats of power. But then God speaks to him in a still, small voice. You know what he says in a still, small voice? Elijah, what are you doing here? He said, God, I already told you. I'm here because like everybody hates me and wants me dead. I just want to die. I'm the only one serving you. God says, Elijah, listen, bud, you are not the only one. I got like 7,000 other people who are serving me just like you. You think it's all about you. You think you're the only one who finds himself in this place. He's like, listen, stop thinking that way. He says, it's, it's the difference between having a microscope and having a telescope. You know, when you have a microscope, what does it do? You look at really small things and what do they look like? Huge. It makes really small things look really big. And, and you know what? The, the, the thing is, are they really big? No. They're really, really tiny. But the telescope is the opposite. You look at tiny things and that, and, and that are actually really big, and you can see them for what they really are. Anybody sing the song with their kids? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, something like that. They're not little. 
You know, you, put a, you, you start looking at them through a telescope, you realize just how huge and how uh, they, they dwarf our sun and our, dwarf our solar system because they're massive. And he's saying the same thought. It's the more you focus on you, the more you're just looking at you, you magnify this pit and this problem that you're in. He says, start realizing that you just got to look at me. Start looking to God and looking at him in, when you're in the pit and realize that, you know, he's big. He's huge. He can take you through this. Um, you know, the, David wrote, uh, you know, a psalm, Psalm 40. You too sings it. It's a great song. Uh, but the psalm is, is written by, by David about how God took him out of a pit. And then a few verses later, in the same psalm, he's singing about how he's in the pit again. It's like his life is from out of one pit and into the next one. Joseph is another saying, you know, you're not alone in this. Joseph, these, these famous people of the Bible, went from like, you know, the favored child to the hated brother. Then he's like, you know, he's got this beautiful coat of many colors to strip naked or put on with a loincloth. That's all he had uh, as a slave. Then he's like the best slave. And then all of a sudden he ends up being in prison. His life just can't get any worse. And he knows that God's got a calling in his life. And he's ending up nowhere. He just keeps going from pit to pit. Paul, we think Paul, you know, God, if Paul was in trouble, you'd rescue him, wouldn't you? He's like, if Paul is like the guy who wrote the, uh, half the New Testament, you think that Paul would be more beneficial not in prison, right? If Paul could do amazing stuff if he was just allowed to go out and teach. But the Bible just t- tells us in, in the book of Acts that Paul spent two years in prison just because a guy named Felix wanted a bribe. Thank God, come on. You know, Paul had to have been praying. Paul had to have had, you know, real faith. But you know what? As he was in the pit, he was in there for two years. Hebrews eleven thirty five. Hebrews 11 is a crazy book, uh, just a crazy chapter. It just talks about all these men of faith who did really great things. And then at the end it says about these men of faith. And, and listen to this. Great men and women of faith were tortured. They were jeered at. They were whipped. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were cut in half. They lived in caves and holes in the ground. They were destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. You're like, come on, these are like great men and women of faith. How come they're going through this? How come they're going through pits? This can't, you know, God can't be around this in any way. You know, when we look at the stories, we're so big on things happening fast in our lives. We want it done yesterday. You know, we can read this story and we can read through and, you know, in less than 20 minutes, we've seen a whole story where that took, you know, more than 20 years to live. So maybe you're like, man, I'm in a pit and I've been here for a couple of years. Welcome to the club. A lot of times the way you look at the pit and the way you look at things in it is what keeps you there. You know, the, the, the thing is we focus so much on ourselves and on our situation rather than focusing on Him and His promises. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. You know, number one, don't or just realize that God didn't put you there. This other thought is realize you're not the only one. And the third thought is this, don't doubt the love of God for you. When you find yourself in a pit, don't doubt that God loves you. If you got your Bibles, just turn to Romans. It's kind of in the back there. It's in the New Testament. Sixth book there. I want you to see this because I want you to take it home with you. Romans chapter 8. Man, they're just great, great chapters, great parts of, uh, of his word this morning. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, it just says this. Can anyone or anything sorry, ever separate us from Christ's love. Can anything separate you from Christ's love? No. But think about it. Think about what you're in. Do you feel sometimes that he must not love you or must not care about you? Because if he did, I wouldn't be in this. But he says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? He says this, does it mean that he no longer loves us? Does it mean he no longer loves me if I have trouble or if I have calamity? 
or if I'm persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. So the scriptures say that, you know, for your sake, we're being killed every day, uh, being slaughtered like sheep. There's, a, there's not a fun mental picture. He says, does that mean God doesn't love you if you're experiencing all this kind of stuff? He says, no, despite all these things, it, we, uh, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. So, you know, I know the enemy would love to try and put this thing on, you know, pushing you away from God as much as possible. And yet, through the times in the pit, there's the times where we can go and draw closest to God more than ever. You know, does it mean that, um, does it mean that God doesn't love you? No, it means you're alive. It means you're alive in a pretty evil world. Uh, you know, there's this saying, you know, when people go through stuff, and you hear a lot of funerals, and when people are going through tough stuff, they say things like this, God won't give you more than you can handle. Ever heard that? Well, it's bull, loney. You know, that's, uh, it... <laughs> It, it, it's, not, it's not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. But guess what is? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, Paul wrote this. He's like, hey, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. He says, we were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. He says, we, we thought we would never live through the pit that we were going through. In fact, we expected to die but as a result, and listen to this because it's so important if you find yourself there. As a result of being in that pit, it says we stopped relying on ourselves. We stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. He's like, I'm convinced that even if I die in this situation, God can raise me from the dead if he needs to. If, if, if that's the, the way this is going to go, then I'm fully relying on him. See, the truth about the pit in your life is that it's more than you can handle. If you could have got yourself out of the pit, you would have done it already. You would have taken care of everything, you know, by your own strength. But the, real, the realization that we need to come to is that we aren't God. We are not Him. The, the, sometimes we have a wrong perspective of the picture that we're in. We think the pit's a, t- a spot of despair and despond and hopelessness when He says the pit can actually be a place of renewal, refreshing, regeneration, and strength. And if you can look at it and see it that way, a lot of times it's just, it's just how you see the picture. i got a photo for you here. This is a pretty famous picture. There's actually a picture of, uh, uh, how many of you see the picture of the old lady? A couple of you. How many see the picture of the young lady? How many see both? How many didn't raise your hand for anything? I saw you raise your hand. Good. All right. Just making sure they still work. Can you see them? No? Okay, hold on. I'll help you out. Right here. Right here, here's the nose of the old lady. Here's her mouth, and here's her, like, gnarly chin. Oh, here's her eye. Yes, you see her now, right? So, and if you miss the uh, young lady, she's actually looking this way. This is her nose and her eye. This is kind of the chin. This is her necklace right here. She's got, like, a feather or something coming out of her hair. Do you see them both? Weird, isn't it? Oh, I see them. I see them both. Guess what? Sometimes you look at your pit, and you only see one perspective. You don't see what God's doing in and through it. You know, a lot of times it really comes down to, we just got to be honest, God is not really all that concerned, or his main goal is not your happiness. It's not, it's your maturity in Christ. Sometimes we think, oh God, we just want to be happy, and God is, he, he's not that we've said, we're going to live our lives for you, God, however and whatever you want. We've said, no, God, we, we want God in our lives. 
We, we want our lives the way they are, but we just want that little genie in a bottle called God. We can rub the bottle and like, God, I need three wishes, man. I'm in a bad spot right now. You know, I'm like 37. I can't find Mr. Right. You know, just, just send him here on a white horse, you know. Or, God, my marriage is messed up. You fix it. And it doesn't, oh, you know, God, I, you know, I spent all my money on Visa, and now I'm like really, really in trouble, and I need some help. Rub the lamp, please. Check the mailbox. No, there's no money there. Close up and rub the lamp again. God, please. And we pray, and we say, God, we want you to rescue us every time. Just, just do it, God. And if he doesn't, it says it can get, it can get us upset. Uh, my question for you is, are you more of a dog or a cat? You're like, what the heck is that doing in there? Just had to throw a cat in there somewhere. Um, think about this for a second, though. A cat says things like this. My master feeds me. He gives me shelter. He lets me go hunting in the yard, and he gives me affection. I must be a god. Dog, however, says my master feeds me. He gives me shelter. He takes me hunting with him. He gives me affection. He must be a God. What's your perspective of life? What's your perspective of God? When you find yourself in it, is it God, just rescue me. And if you do this, then I'll serve you. Or it's like, God, hey, what, what's going on in my life? I'm obviously here, but I want to do this one with you. You know, think about the disciples at the crucifixion for a minute. When they were there watching their, their beloved friend dying on a cross, and it's the darkest day ever. you got to think that going through their heads is like, wait a second, wait a second. God can't possibly be a part of this. Like, God must be gone. How is this possibly happening to, to Jesus? Like, he, he's going to come off the cross. He's going he's gonna to, like, wow everybody. And then he dies. And what does it say with them? Because of the way they see it, because they realize and they forget, they look just at the predicament that they're in, and they forget the promises that Jesus gave them. He says, what do they do? They run away. They hide. They deny Christ. They just start throwing in the towel because it's like, this just can't possibly be God. How is it that, you know, I'm not through this? And I want to encourage you with this thought that Jesus actually promised them that this kind of stuff was going to happen. He told them, listen, I'm going to die. He said, listen, it's going to be three days and I'll raise from the dead. But realize, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not going to do this conquering the world thing like you think I am. He says in John 16, I told you, he says, I'm telling you all this so that you may have peace in me. That you can have peace in me, but here on earth you're going to have many trials and sorrows. And take heart, because I have overcome the world. See, that out of that dark, dark day, <laughs> you're here today. Whoa! God actually did have something to do with that whole thing, where they thought, no, there's no possible way. There's no possible way that in this pit, there's something good coming out of it. Do you know what? God can make beautiful things out of the pit that you're in. Just like we said earlier in NASCAR, the pit's a place of renewal. It's a place of repair. And God can work in the pit that you're in if you'll let him. I'm going to leave you with one thought. There's more. We'll touch on them next week, but this is it. What do you do when you find yourself in a pit? What do you do? You know, in Psalm chapter 40, David just says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I just waited. And you think, what? Wait? You know, that... Uh, last night when I shared this, uh, there was a lady sitting right here. Uh, she said, uh, wait, if I waited any longer, I'd be dead. You know, it's like, uh, there's no way I'm waiting while I'm in this, in this pit. And you know, see, if, you, if you take a look at it and just read it, um, even if you just check out Isaiah 40, 31, there's another famous verse that uses that same word. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and they'll not be weary. They're not going to be running on empty. They'll walk and they're not going to faint. Why? Because they waited on the Lord. What does it mean? God, how long do I got to wait? Like, I might die of this disease if I wait. He's saying this isn't a waiting where you're just kind of like sitting in the doctor's office waiting so you get to go to the waiting room and wait there too and just kind of thumbing through the papers till the doc comes and then you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. It's, It's nothing like that at all. He's saying this wait actually doesn't mean wait. It means look intently on. So when, it, when it's written in Psalm 40, it says, waiting I waited. I was looking, looking to, with this eager intent to, to God. It's not a passive thing, but it's this on purpose thing. I find myself in a pit. I'm going to set my eyes on Jesus on purpose. God, I'm going to look for you through this time and through what I'm going through. Because I don't get it. I don't have the answers. And I may not, but I know you do. And I know you've got me. So he says, you know, a lot of times what we want is we want God's hand to move, but we don't want his calendar. We want God to come rescue us. We don't want his timing. We want it now. We want it when we want it. And yet, how many times it doesn't happen that way? So the the challenge for you is to say when you come out of that pit, that you don't end up having tossed in the towel or end up in a worse one. The idea is the thought that say, you know what, I'm going to keep looking to God that, that I realize that, you know what, he has my good in mind. If you think God's like the ambulance driver, you just think God's like just out to punish you. If you don't trust that God's goodness is really good, like we sang about this morning, so good, you're like, hmm, I don't know. How can he be so good if I'm in this? If we remind ourselves of his goodness, it gives us the opportunity to reach out to him. This week, my kids, you know, my son Lincoln's hilarious. He's like, Dad, I'm starving. And it's like, you know, in the afternoon, I'm like, it's only an hour till dinner. I'm thinking, I can't give him anything. But, you know, it's going to wreck dinner. Dad, I'm, I'm starving. I'm like, okay, do you want, you know, a piece of fruit? No, I want something really yummy. All right, do you want like um, toast with some jam on it? No, I just want something really, really yummy. I'm like, uh, like, like what? Like candy? And I'm like, come on, you know? And I'm like, no, you can't have it. I hate you, Dad. You're the worst dad ever. I'm starving you. You're not going to feed me. And I was like, I know that I'm looking at him going, you know what? I'm not giving him candy because I hate him and I don't love him and I wish he would starve. I'm not giving him candy because I know what's best for him. I know what's good for him. I'm like, listen, you know, you don't understand right now that you, you know, kind of feel like you're in this little pit of yours, but, but in an hour from now, there's going to be a delicious dinner that you're going to miss out on if I fill you up with candy right now. And, you know, his world was melted. You know, tantrum in his room. Like, it, it, it's, it's over. He's a good kid, just saying. My wife, if you're listening, our son is a great kid. Sometimes she said I'm too hard on them in front of you guys. But, you know, there's this thought that sometimes we're more like that. And he's saying, hey, in the, in the place of the pit, there's a maturity that happens in our lives. Matthew, Mark, or sorry, Mark chapter 4 tells of four types of soil, four types of hearts. There's people like, man, you hear a word from God like this morning, and they'll be like, wow, yeah, I, I, that's, that's good. For some of you, and it's actually, there's one before that. There's one that says the bird just stole it away right away. That you're sitting here like, oh, ends oh, it over. Oh, you just keep going on and on and on and on. And you're going to leave here, and you got nothing. I'm sorry. But then there's others of you who are like, yeah, that just makes sense. I, I think I get it. You know, maybe, maybe God... Maybe I'm just looking at this all wrong. I'm going to start looking at it differently. And you're like, yes. And you're going to go out in the parking lot. And it's just going to turn it. Like you're gone. Because you're not going to take it and go home and say, yeah, I got to do something with this. I got to, I got to seek it. Then there's some of you going to go, you know what? I'm doing something. But this is done. This pit, this whole pit thing and me just feeling sore in it, I'm done. 
I, God, I'm going to start looking to you. And you go out and you go home. The Bible just talks about, it says those, they say that all of a sudden they start doing it. And by Wednesday, you're like, yeah, God, I, I can't believe it. I'm seeing you working in my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, trouble comes and your pit just got a whole lot deeper all of a sudden. You're like, Ugh! you know, forget it. You know, God, I don't need you. Or maybe you're in a pit, and this all happens so much to our teens. You get in, it, you get in this thought, you're like, okay, God, you know, I, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I believe you're real. I felt you. I know you're there. And then a couple days later, it's like, you know, your friends are offering you other stuff. Or like there's all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I just kind of feel empty. And they seem to have more fun than me. And it says the pleasures of this world, the desires of this world, the cares of this world, all of a sudden choke out that seed, and you got nothing. And you stay there, and it says you remain fruitless. And then there's another group of you here today. You're just like, you know what? I'm taking this. God, sow this deep down in my life. May it be a vine that grows up strong right in that pit that I crawl out of it on your promise and I walk this thing through. Because you know what? The thing is, if you rescue somebody out of a pit and they haven't learned of to, to why they ended up there, they'll be right back there again. And he wants more for you. He wants you. He doesn't just want you to have all the things in life because they don't bring genuine happiness. He doesn't want you just to be like, oh, I just rescue you out every single time. He did ultimately rescue you from the greatest pit, which is, you know, the, the penalty of, of hell at the end of our, our lives. He's rescued us from that. But in, in the process of life, in this journey, there's times where you're going through the pit. He's not taking you out because you're learning something on the way through. But he's with you. He didn't put you there. And the last thought is this. Keep seeking him. If you find yourself in a pit this morning... Keep seeking God. Like I'm reading, I don't get it. Keep seeking. Here's why. I'm just going to read a th- last thought. Well, in Psalm chapter 40, we're going to touch on it next week. Verse 16 says, those who seek him, let them rejoice and be glad in him. Where it realize that, you know, if I lose everything in this, if I lose everything I have, if I lose my home, I lose everything that's financially valuable to me, and I just find out in the end that Jesus is enough, Think about that. That's heaven. Because <laughs> you ain't going to have any of it there. And you realize that he's enough. There's a maturing that happens in our lives. A.B. Simpson said this, since my last thought really is his last thing on the page. See? Sam. <laughs> says this, God is, don't miss this. Don't miss this one. It says, God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that it's a reward to the diligent. It's a prize to the earnest, and it's a disappointment to the slothful. Lazy if you don't know what slothful is. The nut is hidden in a thorny case. The pearl is buried beneath the ocean's wave. Gold is imprisoned in the rocky bosom of a mountain. And the gem is only found after you crush the rock. So too, truth and God must be earnestly sought. So see that knocks, the door is open. I, I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in that pit, to just realize, to, to allow your perspective to change and say, God, I know you didn't throw me here, so you're the, my answer that you begin to look from that dark place where you feel like things are so dark and realize He loves you. That didn't change the fact that He loves you even though you find yourself there. And that out of that, that you continue to seek Him and because He's doing something in and through your life, through it. I, there's just so many stories in the Bible, hundreds and hundreds of stories, and you know what? There's, there's as many here today. I want to encourage you next week. We'll talk about a few of those other things, but if you find yourself there this morning... Don't find yourself in a pit that turns to a pit of despair or turns into a pit of hopelessness. But realize He loves you and keep looking to Him. He'll take you through. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You that You care about our, our lives. Thank You that Your Word matters for us. Thank You that it actually, it, it's actually alive and does something in our lives. Holy Spirit, this morning, I just ask that You would do what I can't do. Would You just uh, plant the seed deep into the heart of each person here? 
God, I pray that you found fertile soil in this place. I pray that you found hearts that, that this word will be able to just grow in and, and change and bring uh, just a, a, such a difference and a, a, a growing and a maturity in each person here. God, I, I just thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. That no matter where we find ourselves, you are there with us. Thank you for your incredible and amazing love that gives us strength as we uh, go through these uh, through the difficult times. Um, Father, I pray for those this morning who are here and they find themselves in a pit. I just pray for your courage right now, for them to take you at your word. Uh, I pray that they would trust in you and you alone as they walk through this, uh, through this journey. And God, in, in the end, being that they trusted you alone, that you would receive all glory for it because it's only through you. God, thank you for that we can have a relationship with you. It's not about church and Sundays. It's about us doing life with you. And I pray that over every person here this, this morning that they would leave this place and do life with you this week. God, thank you for them. Thank you for putting us together as a family for the blessing that they are to me and to each other. Uh, I just pray you bless them for that this week in your name. Amen.